Welcome to the Strategic Leader Podcast with me, Gemma Bullivant, and my co-host, Fiona Craig. This podcast is for HR professionals and people-focused leaders from any function who want to think, act, and feel naturally more strategic. Enjoy the show. Hi, Fiona. Hi, Jen. So today, what we thought would be a good topic for us to explore is getting really focused on this idea of being transactional versus being strategic. It's something that I've come across quite a lot, both in terms of the HR people that I I work with and the non-HR business leaders that I also work with, where we sometimes find it quite difficult to articulate what the difference is and why we might need to be more strategic, particularly why we might need a more strategic HR function. To me, what is the difference? That's that's curious language, isn't it? So, so tell me about what's transactional. Tell me about what's strategic. How do you split them apart? Yeah, I've developed a model that helps us to define some different maturity steps, if you like, from the basic kind of principles of being transactional through to actually being transformational. And I've used this with clients to help articulate what that difference is. So at a very basic level, the transactional qualities are the things that we associate with this core function, governance, the compliance, the work processes, this routine tasks. Like payroll stuff. Yeah, yeah. You've got to pay people, got to administer the benefits, make sure that people have got the right contracts. These are almost the hygiene factors of HR really, aren't they? Those are the things that you can't, you can't really employ people without those kind of transactional. Yes. Elements, can you? And they are the basic framework, the basic architecture that any organization has to establish first. We can aspire to be as strategic as we want to be with our people if we are a fast-growing, scale-up business. But if we haven't got those basics in place, we are not you know, we're, we're not managing those those hygiene factors, as, as you rightly call them, in, you know, in the right way. Now, what can happen is we get stuck there. So those transactional tasks and those transactional processes are the bread and butter, the oil in the machine, if you like, that helps manage the day-to-day routine HR tasks. We've got accurate employee records. We've got compliance. We, we're working with within employment law. We're p- issuing the right paperwork. We are helping the business to manage those administrative and compliance kind of aspects of people. And I guess, would it be fair to say then that some businesses are just at that level. That's all that they do when it comes to people. I've certainly come across smaller businesses where basically that's all that happens in relation to people. Yes. They, yeah, they get they get employed, they get paid. Yes. And yes. that's kind of it, really. There isn't anything more than that. Would that be an example of a business at that level? Yes, certainly. And 
because it's essential and because it's typically the first thing that gets set up because it's essential, it is in most businesses, if not all businesses, it should be in most businesses, that what one of the characteristics of, of that level is it is almost exclusively reactive in nature. Yes. Is to say that somebody in the business needs to employ someone, you go out and make that happen, you take the hiring manager through a job description, you go out and sort of help with recruiting for that role, you then appoint somebody, go through the process of giving them an offer letter and and so on and so on. In some ways, waiting for the phone to ring to react to and respond to the needs as determined by the business. Yes. And what you've described there, it sounds a bit like a, a, a checklist. There's a list of things that have to be done and you just work your way through them, tick, 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 until they're all done and then end of story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so what can happen is that you have a team perhaps, or you have a group of people, or maybe just one person in a very small organization that sits in an office or virtual office and is is effectively responding to the needs mm-hmm. as they arise in the business. In that, and that doesn't business. sound like a terrible. I mean, there's some obviously some skills in there, but it doesn't sound like a particularly senior role. That no, and it's not necessarily taking a strategic approach to people in the business. So, and if you can imagine, by the time you get to a reasonable size of a business, there are quite a lot of complexities that we need to sort of consider in mm-hmm. order to make the most out of and, and, and develop and, and do all the things we know that HR can and should be doing within an organization. So there's, there's this, this, this basic level one transactional reactive part of the sort of the, 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 this model that is all about operational efficiency. It's essential and it's skilled but it's skilled on a very delivery reactive way. So it's certainly not something to remove or think isn't important. Mm. It's critical. But it feels like it's more of a process task than a people-focused task. Yes. I would imagine that most, certainly now, uh, most employees would be seeking additional support, further support from Yes their people function or HR, whatever it's called in the business. It feels like that's not quite enough for the yeah. kind of business you'd want, you'd actively want to be employed by. So at level two, I call this proactive. So what might happen there is that and somebody in the HR team might regularly talk to people in the business, understand what's needed and start to provide the services that are a little more bespoke to the needs of the business. But critically, what tends to still happen at this level is that those needs are more determined by the business than by the HR professional. So in other words, the HR professional is out and about in the business, much more visible, doing lots of stakeholder management, stakeholder engagement. But what they're doing is ensuring that the HR practices, policies, approaches are in line with the business needs. They're taking a more proactive approach to that business need, but there's still not really much in the way of guidance or steer for the business to actually challenge that maybe that isn't what's needed. It's still a little bit reactive to the business actually determining that need. 
So what I'm hearing, therefore, is that the HR is still working to somebody else's agenda, even though they're doing it a little more proactively. There might be quite a lot of skill and insight. Yeah. If you think about, I mean, maybe there's something like a real kind of customized onboarding approach. Yeah. But the business and the HR person have recognized between them that a better onboarding process is needed and might collaborate to improve that, work out what's needed in the onboarding process, what's working, what doesn't work, and actually working together to create a better process. That might be an example Mm. of proactively working with the business to align the HR approach to the business need. Okay, that sounds good. I can see how that's a step up. Okay, so then, well, then, what would sit at, well, what is the level above them? What comes next? Well, level three is strategic. So this is true partnership with the business. So we've had, so we've had reactive, which is just yes. the kind of administrative, reactive, responding directly to a need. Then we've had proactive, which is kind of being slightly ahead of that curve, but it's still working to the needs as defined by the business. Yes. And then we're shifting up into strategic. Okay, great. That this sounds promising. Tell me more about this one. So yeah, so strategic is still out and about with the with the stakeholders and the business leaders. So we're still visible. But the key difference in this level is that the HR person is bringing and anticipating the needs that might be relevant at that level or interpreting some of the business challenges being described into HR initiatives to address and overcome those challenges. So what often happens is that business leaders have a handle on HR and have a handle on what what may or may not work. So for example, onboarding you know we need we need to put this in our in our induction and that will sort that problem out which mm-hmm. actually sometimes is the right answer but sometimes is is a little too simplistic or naive what happens at level 3 is that the hr person is actually interrogating what the challenge is not what the solution is yes okay so yeah they're bringing a bit of insight into yeah. what's actually going on here versus what needs to what needs yeah. to happen. Yes. And a really useful checkpoint for this is I might know the answer to the question that the business leader is asking me, but are they asking the right question? Yes. And I think this is a big learning curve when you step up from being quite junior in HR to being much more uh, senior and strategic. So if a business leader comes and asks for the process to, what's the process to do X? Mm, mm -hmm. You might be able to answer that question technically, but really what you should be asking is, why do they want to know that? What's going on? What's the problem you're trying to solve, which is one of my favorite strategic questions. (laughs) Always ask, what's the problem you're trying to solve rather than just crack out yeah. the just crack out the solution as they've described it exactly as seems obvious yeah brilliant okay and when we're just starting out in our careers we are establishing our credibility broadly on based on what we know and i think one of the key things that we sometimes then it's we struggle to transition when we when we move into a more senior role is letting go of that desire to prove your credibility through your knowledge 
and instead switching into question mode. In other words, I know the process to that. I don't need to prove myself in order to and answer that question in order to establish my credibility as a knowledgeable HR professional. What I'm more interested in is what the circumstances are, what the challenges are that you're seeking to address by what you think might be the solution. And that's the, and that's what you're asking me about. I want to take a step back and understand the challenge that we're addressing. You know, to go to the very simplistic onboarding analogy, if, if one of the problems is that people aren't aware of a particular part of a, you know, a policy or a particular aspect of their role, chucking another module into your onboarding process may not actually be the answer to that. It may be that we address that through other means and we, uh, and we look at a different way of establishing that understanding and awareness for the employee. So if a, if a business leader comes and says, we need to find a way to change the onboarding and put X in there, it isn't about being level one or level two reactive and doing that. Level three is about, and, and what will that achieve for us? Why, why would we want to do that? Just help me understand that so that I can get get it right. And maybe there are other things we could do as well as, or instead of that change to that onboarding approach. At the strategic level, we are also looking at all of the things that we've talked already about in previous episodes in relation to future focus in relation to sort of the breadth and impact, what, yeah. what else might be affected by this particular initiative, situation, change. And we're, we're really helping the business to start to anticipate what might happen if and what we might need to really start thinking about. So at a strategic level, we're also saying things like, we've got a vacancy and we've had this vacancy several times, I can transactionally deliver you a candidate. I can find you a candidate. But what I also want to do is to help us to build a way that we may be able to um, pipeline our talent and find that candidate internally in the fullness of time. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I can anticipate that we are going to regularly be having this conversation seeking a new mm. person. Those and I guess also you you might be building in other strategic initi- initiatives across the business, mm. like we seek to promote from within to create career paths for our team, or we we are strategically trying to keep the cost of recruitment down or something like that. You're sort of weaving in other business needs in your in your thinking. Yes. Okay. And the and the impact question and the breadth question is also helping to challenge in the business where particular activities might not be congruent with what we've decided we want to strategically achieve as a business. Yeah. yeah. So a business leader might want to do something in a particular way and that's going to undermine something else that we know has been an intentional um, aspect of the culture or is part of our diversity and inclusion approach, or is part of our equal opportunities, or is 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 in relation to sort of some other aspect of the of the culture or the values where we're connecting some of those dots. 
and challenging back. So where level one and level two are broadly reactive, albeit level two, we're co-creating and we're starting to really build something that's bespokely needed. Level three introduces this concept of not only anticipation and future focus that we've talked about, but challenge and the breadth and the impact of different things that, that we might want to approach. And what I guess what I'm hearing in that bit is is almost creating processes and impacts that don't exist yet. That's, I guess, the future focus bit, isn't it? We want to create a business that works like this rather than a business that works as it yes. currently does. We're, we're, yes. we're, we're kind of building stuff for the future that that is new. And in addition to or instead of the way that we're currently doing it, it's not... Yeah. It's more than maintaining the status quo, isn't it? It's improving the status quo. It is. And the reason that this is level three and not level four, which we'll come on to in a second, but I level can't, I can't wait to hear about level four. Level I mean, strategic four. sounds really good. Go on. <laughs> so level three is the precursor to level four, as you might imagine. Well, yes. <laughs> Le- level three and four are still contingent on getting the transactional stuff right. The transactional stuff doesn't go away. The transactional stuff still needs to be delivered. And there is an imperative for that transactional stuff to be done in the most efficient, operationally and tactically right way, that uh, whether that's automation, whether that's you know clear process flow, whether however that's handled, whether that's line management capability that sort of takes some of that ownership of some of those core processes away from the central HR team to a manager approach. The manager handles some of those conversations without HR there and all of those sorts of things. That transactional stuff needs to be in place and working well before you can really hope to operate effectively at level three and level four. So we're not looking we're not looking at moving through all of these things separately. We're looking at stacking them on top of each other, aren't we? We're, exactly. We they are need that reactive level one stuff there. And then we add on the level two proactive. Then we look to becoming level three strategic. Yes. And then what on earth comes next? Because I mean that sounds pretty good to me. So what 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 have we got on level four? <laughs> well, level four is what I call transformational. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's the step beyond strategic and strategy into something that is quite a fundamental influence or shift on the business. And it builds on strategic because you need to have that strategic influence in order to then be more in that transformational space. So you're you're much more influential in the future direction of the business as a whole. You're bringing not only people expertise and people efficiency, people best practice, you are actually much more commercially um, contributing to the overall success of the business. Now, from an HR perspective, that might also include some key processes, policies or approaches, changes to culture that actually massively impact the business. And I I sometimes refer to to the example of Spotify's work from anywhere, because I Mm -hmm. think that's a really good example of a people initiative that must have had executive discussion before it was 
implemented as a as an approach in the business and they came out with that work from anywhere policy very early on in the in the pandemic and it became a, f- a foundational kind of part of their of their cultural fabric going you know going forwards yeah and for me that is not just about putting a policy in place it is working with all of the other aspects that they have in their in their people strategy and in their overall business strategy and it's aligning all of that but but having quite a heavy influence on how on the working model the operating model but on the culture and on all the all the parts of the employee life cycle so yeah so that that initiative as an example that spotify initiative feels like it's very central to their commercial model in terms of you know, it impacts what we do with office space. It impacts what we do with the tech that we're providing to our people. It impacts how we tackle accountability and training and, and workflows throughout the entire business. It, in fact, it, it changes the way that we monitor quality control. It sort of impacts absolutely everything across the business, doesn't it? So yes, it's a people initiative, but it sits very central strategically to how Spotify operates as an organization. Yes. So it feels like it's very close to the core of what are we here to do and how do we go about doing it as a as a business, not as an HR function. Yes. And I don't know the history of the work from anywhere policy to the extent of it being led by HR. I imagine it was because I do read quite a bit of the of, of, of it what may, they... it may not have been. I mean it may have been from um it may have been through some kind of um operations perspective or or facilities perspective, which is maybe we've got all these offices, maybe it was COVID, all the offices aren't being used, we're paying out all the rent, we need to cut costs and get rid of all our office buildings. Therefore, we need to do something different. It could have come from that perspective. It could have done. What I what I do know about it is that it was launched in a, with very much in the frame of being iterative and experimental. In other words, it was very transparently declared that this is what we're doing and we're going to give it a go and we may not get it right first time. Yeah. And I really like that. Yeah. Uh, I think there's there's all there's a lot in that, isn't there? And there's, I mean, maybe that's a whole other podcast subject in its own right, which is around um, experimentation and failing. Hmm. Because, like we were saying earlier on, that ability to ask questions and be okay with not quite knowing the answer feels yeah. actually like quite a senior skill to say we think this is going to work, but we can't quite tell until we try it, and we may tweak it, as you say, iterate it until we do get it right. Yeah. But it's okay to not get it absolutely 100% right first time. And I think that need, either an assumption that it's going to be right or a need to get things right in any area uh, can hold you back, can really hold you back. It can, yes. So having heard the model, fair yes. Enough, yes. tell me your sort of thoughts or observations. Have you seen, can you relate to it in, in organisations that, that you're familiar with? Yes, I absolutely can. I can see organizations that I've either been in or worked with at all of those different levels, if I'm quite honest. It does feel like, um, and also not necessarily that the bigger the business, the more likely you are to be transformational. Because I've worked with a couple of real, really sort of fairly small businesses, maybe 50 people, where they've really gone straight to level three or four. I mean, I, to your point, they must have the transactional stuff in place first. But really, 
as soon as they've got to sort of 20, 30 people, they've gone, right, okay, people are absolutely central to how this place operates. So we've got somebody really representing that, representing the people at a senior level and business decisions are made with with great influence from those people mm. needs which it, you know when you were first describing it i was thinking oh is is the strategic and the transformational only possible when you've got a big big hr function but i i don't think it's necessarily that i think it's whether you've just simply got somebody there who is able to bring that strategic heat commercial understanding challenge as a word you used and kind of vision, a forward-looking vision to say, well, hang on a second, we we need to be shaping things like this if you want to achieve this and understand yeah. how people impacts the commercial. Um, and, and of course, the other way around. So I've, I can absolutely see those, those four levels. I can see businesses that I've worked with or been in at those four different levels. But I guess the question that comes up for me then is, it doesn't feel like a particularly smooth path to keep adding the extra layers on the top. I mean, surely businesses get stuck at one or two or maybe three and they either don't know that further levels exist or they don't want to or they get stuck. So what what happens in reality when you're trying to add these additional layers on? What I do you think? think? I think that we can get stuck in transactional partly because we lose sight of what processes are enough. Yes. Because what we could do is keep refining, building, sorting out the processes, adding another policy, creating a new workflow, putting some more more modules onto the HRIS and constantly trying to make a world-class HR operations architecture before we can Mm. even think about any of the rest of it. And I actually passionately believe that we need to get comfortable with the what what is enough in that transactional space to also then enable us to build the strategic and transformational aspects while continuing to evolve those transactional processes and almost kind of pulling, gradually pulling those through all kind of alongside each other. Well, that, that, because I was thinking as you were speaking earlier, that when you get to level three or four, you might be thinking strategically about how we manage those transactional things. Mm. So you might be thinking strategically, I want to take some of the man hours or the costs out of that part of the business and therefore I want to automate them and mm. upskill the rest of the team to create more value somewhere else. Mm. Um, so you might take, I guess you might review those things from a strategic position, which is this this isn't working efficiently enough or it's too expensive or it doesn't work for yep. the individual managers or it's encouraging the wrong behaviors therefore we need to uh we need to change that so you might have a strategic focus on the transactional bits of the business definitely definitely yes yeah, so in organizations that have evolved some of their transactional processes their hr operations pillar of their strategy 
Mm. Those that feel they've refined it enough to be more kind of business as usual, BAU, we might refine it and tweak it, but really it's kind of it's established enough for what we need now, may not have HR operations as a strategic pillar of their HR strategy. But a business that sort of still needs to refine that might have HR operations as one of the four or five pillars of their strategy because that those transactional efficiencies, operational efficiencies that are so essential need to be evolved further or need it, the time is now for us to automate. We just didn't have the volume or the capacity to do that before, but the time is now to do something quite different with that, and in which case it becomes a strategic intention. So yes, I think that's a really good point to perhaps close on because I think we we need to remember that this is it, it isn't a do level one and then you've left that behind it, it is actually mm. as you said at building it's a model that builds on you know the last step but it includes all of the steps so if somebody if somebody wasn't that senior though this model or, or what perhaps wasn't involved in the more senior discussions, this model could still be useful, could it not? Because you could still be looking throughout your team, throughout your business, you know, the tasks perhaps that other people in your business get involved in and say, oh, maybe it's not me that's doing the transformation or all the strategic stuff, mm-hmm. but it is happening here. I can recognize that it is happening and that people are doing it. And I kind of understand the difference. That model could still be a useful model in terms of almost your career progression, potentially, couldn't it? I think so. I think the model is a very useful way of analysing and working out your own approach to HR, regardless of what your role is, regardless of how senior your role is, in terms of what, what we mentioned at the start about, you know, a question about a particular process and the difference between having the ability to answer that question in a technically correct way and having the ability to actually step in and understand the reason behind that question being asked in the first place. There is absolutely no reason why a junior person couldn't ask some of those questions other, yeah. than, the, other than their own confidence and, you yes. know, and, and yeah. experience of, of working in that way. And so you can actually get into the habit of operating more strategically, even at a, at quite a junior level, just by asking some questions and understanding the situation better. So, what we've actually got then is a is a model that stretches from you know a fairly major organisational design perspective, mm. all the way through to a way of thinking about um, your career progression, or even just the types of conversations that you're having, regardless of what level you may be so that yeah. feels like a, that feels like that feels like the kind of model I like because they're totally flexible so just to recap then we start with level one reactive level two proactive level three becomes strategic and level four transformational and that's the that's the model of HR maturity then yes brilliant I love it thank you Gem thanks Fiona and um, thanks everyone for listening do check out the show notes and drop us a line if you have any thoughts or comments or questions on what we've talked about today. Looking forward to talking to you again soon. See you next time. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Strategic Leader. If you liked the episode, please subscribe to access more of our recordings. And if you think it'd be useful for someone else, please forward to them and leave a review. We base our content on questions we are regularly asked and what you want to know more about. So please do email us with any questions or comments to Gemma at gemmabullivant.co.uk. And remember, you're already being more strategic than you realize.